Hey guys, it's Ashley again. So today I'm going to be talking about romance and a borderline personality disorder. Um, I will admit this is an extremely personal topic for me as obviously I'm diagnosed with BPD. And much of the banter in here is coming from personal experience, but I have backed it up with empirical evidence through studies that I found when researching the root causes of these issues. So first, let's talk a bit about borderline personality disorder. And just from here on out, I'm going to call it BPD because I don't really feel like fucking saying borderline personality disorder every time I say it. <laughs> um, BPD is one of the most prevalent personality disorders in clinical settings and has seen an increase in diagnoses in the past few years. It's defined in the DSM as instability, disassociation, unstable relationships with others, which includes switching between idealization and devaluation of others in a short amount of time, unstable sense of self, impulsivity, and like frantic and dramatic efforts to avoid abandonment. Individuals with BPD think in black and white, which is also called splitting, and there is typically no gray area for compromise. This falls back to relationships as well. The deficits underlying these interpersonal impairments have been theorized about at length, and one of the most prominent and well-regarded theories is attachment. So attachment theory, which I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it is pretty basic psychology 101 stuff. Um, attachment theory was originally developed decades ago by John Bowlby as a theory of infant development. However, current and adult attachment theory suggests that while adult attachment patterns are identical to infant attachment styles, infant attachment sets the stage for later romantic and platonic relationships. So there are three distinct types of attachment based on psychological literature, secure, anxious, and avoidant. So if an infant's attachment and development are disrupted as a result of inappropriate caregiving, insecure attachment results occur, which is the anxious and avoidant attachment styles. So those who are anxiously attached to a partner display more dependency and jealousy behaviors, whereas those who are avoidantly attached are pessimistic about romantic relationships in general and avoid close ties altogether. Recent studies have shown a term called disorganized attachment, which is basically, you know, like a mix of anxious and avoidant attachment behaviors. Literature has been going back and forth between whether individuals with BPD are anxiously or avoidantly attached. My theory, to be honest, is that it's a mix of both, kind of like a nature-nurture kind of thing. However, the factor means that attachment styles act as a framework for the myriad of forms of dysfunction seen in BPD. One possible pathway to anxious and avoidant attachment styles may be childhood experiences of emotional invalidation by the parents, which may result in the development of poor social problem-solving skills or cognitive responses such as splitting, which is that extreme devaluation, idealization of individuals, and the black-and-white thinking, which impair current romantic relationships as well. Okay, so enough with the geeky science stuff. I'm sorry, I just... I tend to go on tangents whenever I talk about BPD and just psychological stuff. <laughs> um, so basically, I just want you guys to know how truly debilitating this disorder is, especially when it comes to relationships. You know, I mean, I can attest myself um, the dramatic and crazy things that I have done to avoid 
abandonment, um, both with romantic partners and with platonic friends. Um, you know, I, um, I have done some interesting things and I'm not proud of it. You know, sometimes, so basically when you have BPD, everything feels like the end of the world. So if your romantic interest or like a really close friend or something decides to set boundaries or, you know, they decide to kind of take space or just stop being your friend or stop being involved with you, it feels like the end of the world. And genuinely, it kills us inside. And I mean, I know this is true because I feel that way. And literally everybody else that I've ever met with BPD mirrors the same behavior that I do. And they've explained this to me. So, you know, um, it's, it's really debilitating and, you know, it, it basically has the tendency to run relationships over with a truck and fucking destroy them. Um, and this is really hard for me to swallow. It's always been ever since I was a teenager. Um, I'm a very extroverted person. I love my friends and I love really deeply. Um, I don't know if this is a BPD thing or whatever, but it probably is, but, <laughs> but you know, I, um, I love deeply and I really try and give my all to people and, you know, sometimes it's smothering and I can honestly say that, you know, and it took a lot of therapy meds for sure. And, um, you know, a lot of self-reflection for me to really see how problematic my behaviors could, could be, you know, if I, if I stayed in my mental illness, if I stayed in my sickness, you know, so I started this journey of healing and of recognizing my problematic behaviors and, you know, it's really helped. Um, and it has helped my relationships and, you know, I, that's all I want for my friends with BPD and other people that I know with it. Um, I want them to have stable relationships. I want them to be able to be happy and, you know, I mean, everybody falls short and, you know, nobody is perfect, especially people with BPD, you know, it's just, we have to work 10 times as hard to be quote unquote normal. I hate the word normal, but, you know, we, we have to really work 10 times as hard to just have a basic relationship with somebody, you know, it, it's always dramatic and crazy and, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, I know me and most people I come across with BPD have extremely short, impaired, chaotic, and unstable romantic relationships throughout the lifespan. And um, like I said, we usually go through dramatic and frantic efforts to stop our romantic interest from leaving. So this pattern I have seen in myself and also my friends with BPD, like I said. So some people with BPD, you know, to avoid that abandon that abandonment feeling, um, they guilt their romantic partner into staying. Um, some people mirror the personality traits and interests of their romantic partners in order to gain their favor and keep them hooked. And some, unfortunately, even react aggressively or very dramatically to any distance their romantic partner decides to put between them. And basically, boundaries are non-existent to a person with BPD usually. However, the good news uh, is that boundaries can be learned through skill-based therapy, such as DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, which is the 
most effective form of therapy behind cognitive behavioral therapy, I believe, um, in treating BPD. So people with BPD also typically have a passive aggressive communication style. I can attest to this as well. I, I am very passive aggressive. It is not good. Um, and I can fully say that, um, you know, which thus can cause even more of a rift in a hostile relationship with a romantic partner. So I don't want you guys to get it twisted that like I'm demonizing or contributing to the stigma um, to borderline personality disorder or anything. I mean, like I have it, so I'm just trying to talk freely because I can recognize the behaviors. But, you know, despite the intense and disruptive symptoms that people with BPD must cope with, um, people with BPD often have a lot of positive qualities as well that can make them great romantic partners and friends. Um, you know, many people who have been in a relationship with somebody with BPD kind of describe their partner as fun, exciting, passionate, um, you know, comfortable with intimacy. Um, you know, like I said, we love deeply and we love intensely. And this can trickle into being smothering, but more often than not, um, we're just really devoted and loyal partners, I have noticed. Um, you know, I mean, despite like if you're poly or anything like that, then it's different. But, you know, I am, um, I genuinely think that there's a lot of pluses to this disorder in romantic relationships, you know, it's not just negative. And if anything, the positives kind of outweigh the negatives, in my opinion, you know, because if it's just positive and if somebody with BPD gets the right amount of therapy like DBT or CBT or anything like that, you know, if we can be healthy enough to have a healthy relationship, we can have those positive qualities and it could be a really healthy relationship. You know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be such a negative um, thing. It just doesn't. So we all know about the honeymoon phase, you know, that kind of cupcakey, lovey-dovey phase at the beginning of any romantic relationship. Um, you know, I've kind of, I've seen some posts like on Facebook and shit about people saying, you know, that the honeymoon phase shouldn't end in a relationship. And like, in my opinion, that just isn't healthy. I mean, it's, it's not that it's not healthy, but like, like it has that like toxic positivity type of a feel to it. Like, you know, I just know from my, you know, the longest relationship that I was in was almost 10 years, you know, and we were basically married. And I can honestly say like the honeymoon phase was like the first year. Um, but, you know, we were life partners, you know, like we had to make financial, personal, um, family decisions, you know, between the two of us. And, Sometimes this, this involves conflict, you know, and um, that's totally normal. Um, so that's why I say that I don't think that the honeymoon phase should be uh, the entirety of the relationship. I mean, you know, you should always remain, you know, intimate and like close to your partner and express love in a good way. Um, but you have to also take the negatives with that as well, like the conflict and making tough decisions, you know, and sometimes you guys aren't going to agree. 
So, you know, obviously people with BPD, if there is conflict and everything, we feel it like 10 times as deep. Um, but in the beginning of a romantic relationship, or even sometimes a friendship, um, we kind of tend to put the partner on a pedestal. Um, and we often feel as though like we like found our perfect match kind of thing, like a soulmate, a twin flame, if you will, um, who will kind of rescue us from our sickness, from our mental illness. Um, and this is, this is what I was talking about earlier, the idealization. So even for regular couples, you know, with no mental health struggles or anything, the honeymoon period can be super exciting for a new relationship. Um, you know, it's, it feels nice to have somebody feel so strongly about you and to feel needed. Um, but like I was saying before, you know, when problems start to arise and reality sets in, um, the person with BPD kind of realizes that their new partner is not faultless, um, that their image of them being perfect is not true. Um, you know, their soulmate, quote unquote, can come crashing down. Um, you know, it's the dichotomy of this is rough. Um, and like I said, it really requires the person with BPD to do a lot of self work and it, we need to learn how to compromise. And that is so hard for people with BPD typically, like, you know, it's just, it's really difficult. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna be honest, like the key to maintaining a relationship with somebody with BPD, if you, you know, are interested in them or if you just learn that they have it, um, is setting those boundaries early, 100%, um, establishing, you know, that you're not perfect and that you have your own faults and that you fall short every single day. Um, this helps to create realistic expectations for the person with BPD. Um, and also, you know, you should really encourage your partner to find ways to cope um, with the insane emotional dysregulation that we deal with. Um, and also just encourage us to get professional help. Like if we're not, you know, go to a DBT group, um, get on meds, you know, just go to regular therapy, literally anything, a support group, anything. Um, you know, even couples therapy can be helpful, you know, especially if no work was being done in the early relationship, you know, and then problems start to arise. Couples therapy can be really beneficial to people who are going through those conflicts and who are struggling um, with their partner with BPD. So, you know, when a relationship ends, we're all depressed, you know, I mean, like, it's sad, you know, if, unless it's like super volatile, you know, I mean, it's upsetting to lose somebody that you care about and to lose that attachment that you once had. Um, and a lot of issues can arise, um, you know, when a relationship with somebody with BPD ends, um, you know, be because people with BPD have that intense fear of abandonment, um, a breakup can leave them feeling desperate, devastated, just like I said before, the world is ending, you know, I mean, like, this was somebody that we valued, that we put on a pedestal, and that, you know, we thought was perfect. Um, and to lose that 
it just feels like the end of the world. Um, you know, even if the relationship is unhealthy both ways, so if both of them have BPD or, you know, both of them are untreated with their mental illness, um, they can, people with BPD can still have trouble letting the relationship go. Um, and this is especially true for long-term relationships or even marriages. Um, this is why it's a super essential thing to, and I say this with, to my clients all the time, have friends separate from your romantic partner. Do not just have a group of friends that is just with your romantic partner because when that relationship ends, if it does, you are going to have no one, you know, because unfortunately people choose sides and, you know, it, you may have some people left, but, you know, that's not a guarantee. And I have, I have been through this, um, with my most recent breakup. Um, unfortunately I lost, um, a significant amount of friends, you know, and towards the end of my relationship, you know, and this is no hard feelings or anything, you know, towards him, but towards the end of our relationship, you know, he would judge my friends and would not like when I would go out with them, if I would like, you know, do anything. It was always an issue. And like, you know, I lost a lot of friendships because of that. You know, people just didn't want to be around me because I either, you know, listened to what he said or I was just never around, you know, because I just hung out with his friends and his friends were my friends, you know. And it it caused me a lot of loneliness, honestly. And, you know, for someone like me with BPD, I'm a very extroverted person. I value social interaction so heavily and I rely on it for happiness. So, you know, it's just really, really important to have your own circle. And I know some people are going to disagree with me with this, but it, listen, I deal with couples, I deal with families, um, I deal with a lot in my job, and I have seen this time and time fucking again, is just, you know, people end relationships and they have nothing left. Um, so it's really important to keep your own circle. And this kind of relates back to what I was talking about earlier with people with BPD kind of mirroring their romantic partner and their interests and their behaviors to kind of gain their favor. Um, this has a tendency to kind of continue uh, throughout the relationship. I mean, it can die down, you know, but we have a very unstable sense of self. And now this doesn't necessarily mean that like we have no identity for ourselves, but we struggle, we go back and forth. You know, I know for me, you know, I, I've always been rooted in who I was. Um, you know, for instance, I always knew that I wanted to be a therapist and I always knew that I wanted to help people, you know, in some sort of mental health care setting. So that was my one goal that, you know, throughout since I was 15 or 16, you know, <laughs> that I really held to. It was the one constant in my life. But, but when I entered into that seven year relationship, um, I found myself mirroring, you know, and um, I 
kind of lost myself in the process a little bit, not fully. Um, you know, I think, so for me, my BPD traits are just, are more so impulsivity, the unstable sense of self, um, and dysfunctional, uh, relationships. My, my stuff isn't really like lack of identity per se. I've just always gone back and forth as to, um, what I value and the interests that I have, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you can ask anybody that knows me, you know, I am all over the place. Um, and this is good, you know, for instance, it made me start this podcast and it made me become a therapist, you know, and it made me question my career choices currently, you know, and it brings me to new places all the time. Things are always interesting. Um, but I do have an unstable sense of self and I struggle with that a lot. Um, I have survivor's guilt all the time, you know, for everything that, you know, I talked about in the first episode that I've been through, um, you know, and now I'm a therapist, you know, and I kind of, I guess you could say made it out alive. I'm so fucking dramatic, but like, I don't know. I just, I feel like, I feel like it's unfair that here I am today. I have this amazing career. Um, I'm doing what I love. I go to sleep every single day with a smile on my face um, for helping my clients. But I feel guilty for being one of the few to make it out, you know, kind of unscathed a little bit. I mean, I have my faults and, you know, I struggle every single day with these symptoms, regardless of being medicated and therapized. I don't even know if that's a fucking word, but um, I feel immense amount of guilt, um, you know, and I'm not the only one who I've talked to with BPD that um, feels this way. Um, but uh, my clinical supervisor um, for one of my internships, a few years ago told you know I, I told her some of my story I kept it professional you know I didn't really go into too much detail um, but she called me a wounded healer and I had never heard of that term before um, but it's exactly what it sounds like you know I'm I'm a wounded healer you know I have gone through shit that nobody should have fucking gone through um, I made it out and now, you know, I've kind of made it my purpose to help people like me um, and to make a difference, you know, um, to use my empathy for good. Um, and I just love that term. Um, I use it all the time for my clients because a lot of my clients are wounded healers. Um, they're not therapists, but they're just very giving and caring people. and. You know, I, I don't believe that the world is evil. <laughs> um, you know, I believe that people have good and bad in them. And more often than not, the good outweighs the bad. Um, you know, I try and think positively because I thought negatively for so long. And I, I just did. And it was just very problematic. And it was very hurtful to my progress and to my healing stages. And... I just am happy that I don't think like that anymore. So, you know, in 
in conclusion, I guess you can say, um, having BPD is very debilitating and it's hard to deal with. Um, but there are positives and it's possible to overcome the symptoms and overcome the challenges that come with having BPD. And I can honestly say that. And it is completely fucking possible to have a normal and healthy relationship um, with somebody with BPD, you know? It is possible and it takes work on both sides. It requires the partner without BPD to not kind of go through codependent behaviors. Um, and it requires the individual with BPD to first, first want help, um, admit that there's a problem, and then, you know, willingly go through treatment. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be medication, you know, it can be exercise, it can be, you know, just finding a hobby, but therapy, in my opinion, is of the utmost importance. This shit is so challenging, and our thought processes are all jumbled, typically, um, and it's hard, you know, it's really hard. But the, also the good thing, you know, is I've noticed as I've gotten older, you know, I'm 28 now, as I've gotten older, my BPD symptoms have kind of gone downhill, meaning like they're not as prevalent. Um, and this is true in studies. They, it shows, you know, especially in women that uh, BPD symptoms kind of peak at like late teens, like early 20s. Um, and then once you hit like 30, um, it's possible to not even fit criteria for the DSM for borderline personality disorder anymore, which is my goal. Um, you know, I am going through DBT right now um, and it's really fucking helping me. I'm learning the skills. Um, I'm gaining distress tolerance. I'm learning mindfulness skills. Um, it's doing me a lot of good and I am going to do nothing but promote it because it's mir it's worked miracles for me so far. Um, but yeah, so romance in BPD, um, it's a tough thing. It's, it's tough, but when you meet the right person and both are willing to put in the work, it is completely possible to have a healthy relationship. So thank you for listening. Um, I hope that this kind of shed light on, um, just BPD in general. I'm hopefully going to talk more about niche issues with people with BPD um, coming from personal experience and utilizing empirical evidence. Um, I really am passionate about BPD and I just have a lot of thoughts. So I apologize if I tend to ramble. Well, I guess that's what a fucking podcast is, is me rambling. But yeah, so stay tuned for more episodes um, about BPD. Um, but thank you for listening. Bye.